Psalm 119, verse 62. There was one time that this man get up in the morning, and, uh, and his wife said, get ready, we going to church. And he goes, I'm not going to church. And uh, the wife said, you have to go to church. I'm not going to church. And he goes back and forth about going to church. He said, I'm not going to church. And, uh, and she said, why do you don't want to go to church? Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. You know, I, 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 I think, why do you go to church for? And she goes, you have to go because you're the pastor. <laughs> oh, goodness, this is a joke. <laughs> All right. Tonight, the, uh, this morning, I'm sorry, you're going to let's look at Psalm 119, verse 162. Look what the Lord says in there. Uh, well, if you have uh, your Bibles open, your iPad, your iPad, whatever you have, let's look at God's Word. Look what it says. I, that's a very important word right there, rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate an arbor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. Great peace have I have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul had kept thy testimonies, and I loved them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. I just pray, Lord, as uh, I preach about it, giving me the words, Lord. And, Lord, teach me as I teach others as well. And, Lord, I pray if there's someone here doesn't know you as their personal Savior. Lord, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship with you. I pray, Father, they open their hearts to you this morning and make peace with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, more of Jesus, less of me. Uh, last year, our, our theme was refocus, and we were waiting on the new uh, th- one to come in. More of Jesus, less of me. I think if we live life this way, more of Jesus, less of me, I think we could treat people better. Yeah. We could, because we see people who are made in the image of God. We respect others. We respect each other. We respect our kids, our spouses, our co-workers. Uh, neighbors, more of Jesus, less of me. Think about it. When you read to someone, would Jesus would treat you, treat that people that way? No. More of Jesus, less of me. May we die to self and let Jesus flourish in our lives. If you're saved, you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, which can help you to live a life that brings glory to Him. Let's die for the things of this world. Folks, let me put it this way. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up with Bibles around me. I was married in my 30s when I got saved. I know what the world offers. I know what the world offers. You know, today I look back and I say, or look to the world and say, there's nothing that I desire from there. I'm pretty content and satisfied walking with the Savior. No, more Jesus, less of me. Today, the, the title of this message this morning is, When a Man Loves Jesus. So let me give you a little story here about uh, this man. In a cold Sunday morning in a small country church in the state of Maine, we try to, people call the Maine, people from Maine the maniacs, but uh, we don't have nobody from Maine here. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, in a cold Sunday morning in a small country church in the state of Maine, 
the pastor stood up to preach a sermon titled, When a Man Loves Jesus. But right before he began, he asked a small congregation if anyone would like to give a testimony of their love for Jesus. For a moment, the auditorium got very quiet, and an older gentleman slowly stood up and told the pastor, I do have a testimony. The pastor looked towards the man who was a visitor and said, Go on, sir. Uh, go on. And uh, the man said, uh, the stranger said, My name is Kevin Smith. I was born in a loving Christian family. Uh, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, I was born into a loving Christian family of ten children. I came to church at a very young age. I actually came to church in my mother's womb. My mother and my dad loved Jesus, not me. I didn't know Jesus. I didn't love him. I left home to go to the military, and that was the day I went. I, I said goodbye to church and to God. To me, all that was religion or the religion of my parents. I went to Vietnam, or, the, or the, when the Vietnam conflict I'm sorry, came, came along, I was excited, looking forward to my new adventure overseas. Vietnam was everything that I expected to be until the day our patrol got embushed. We got, we got taken prisoners, and from that day on, everything changed. My life became hard inside those prison walls from both the body and, and the mind. Many times I remember my family back home and wonder if I, if I would ever see them again. But it was in that prison life that I noticed a fellow prisoner who was a great encourager and one, and one who was already willing to help. I asked him what was the secret behind all that optimism, knowing that he was in the same situation I was. He simply responded, Jesus. And he said, I love my Jesus with all my heart. And I know that he is always with me. My mind went back to my childhood, to that little church where I grew up. I told a young man I heard of Jesus, but how was he going to help me in that situation? The young man replied, he will if you would know him personally. That day inside that cell, in the jungles of Vietnam, as a prisoner of war, I give my life to Jesus. I confess our life in prison was hard until the day that we were set free. But Jesus brought me something, to, uh, brought something to a man in prison cell in the jungles of Vietnam. In that cell, I learned to trust Jesus and to love Him. Jesus brought me peace, hope, meaning for my life in spite of my situation. I discovered that in Jesus I had everything, even if I physically had to die. The man paused and sat down. This is what got me. All around the auditorium, there was tears, joy, hallelujahs, and amens coming from the people, especially the older people. They knew Kevin and his entire family. Kevin had returned home with a new love in his heart, a love for Jesus. And we get this message. I'm sorry, but this is very hard to read. <laughs> this is like the third or fourth time I'm reading this thing. You know, I have to read this this morning and read it again to you. And this is real story of a real man. And I apologize. So as we get to this message, when a man loves Jesus, let me ask you this question. 
Do you love Jesus? It's not about Kevin Smith. It's about you. It's about me. Do you love Jesus? Let's look at this from several points this morning. If you have an outline, you want to read it down, I'll write it down. If you want to take points, if not, you want to listen, that's fine. Number one, the love for God's words. We look here in this psalm, and look what it says in this psalm. We're going to say, uh, verse 160, it says, The word, thy word is truth from the beginning. And verse 161 says, But my heart standing in awe of thy word. See, life throws many curveballs at us sometimes, doesn't it? We never know when the next problem arrives. We never know when the next headache arrives. Do you rather get up in the morning with a headache? And you, your head is just banging in. What you run for? Tylenols, whatever you can find, and just shove it in your mouth. And, and if some, I mean, I'm not one of the, the guys that goes, I, this thing will go out throughout the day. And, no, you're not with me. I'm looking for something. I want something. So life throws many curveballs at us sometimes. We have the tendency to think that, that we have it all together, only to find out that without Jesus, we are heading to a road of no return. He said, well, what can Jesus do for me? Well, if you don't know him, you don't understand. But if you know him, you know he can do so much for you. Calvin learned this the hard way. He was a young kid, grew up in church. Of course, young kids, you know, sometimes you know, a lot of young kids get saved. But this young kid never got saved. And when he got to be a teenager, he said, I'm done with this. This is about my mother and my dad. That's the religion. He missed the point. Then he went and left church, left everything. Then he said, I'm going to Vietnam. Well, there you go. That makes you a man. So he went there and you know what? Oh, I'm going to play superhero. Oh, goodness, you know what? We today, we have these video games, you know, and you die and you have a new life. And you die and you have another, well, like three tries, whatever that is, you know. And you know what? The reality is when you die, you're dead. You know, that's not video games, you know. Sometimes you think, I got this big machine gun, I got this. You know what happens? You know what? The reality is much different. I tell you what, my one guy that I used to work for, the Jewish man, was my boss. He said he was in the military, and they shot a gun. He said, when I shot the gun the first time, my, my buddy looks at me and said, he needs medical attention. I said, what are you talking about? Like, put your hands on your face. He said, my eardrums blew up with the sound and blood was just running down my face. War is a, a harsh reality. This man went to the jungles of Vietnam and guess what happened to him? He, he learned the hard way. When he got to put it, be put in prison, and you see some movies about Vietnam, how hard it was for American soldiers, what they suffered, and men have died there. But this man, both, can you imagine in the mind, in the spirit, what this man went through? But it was there that God put somebody. God put somebody there. You know what? He said he was suffering the same way. But this man knew something that Kevin didn't know. And what happened there? When he came to the, to like, to, to the bottom, so to speak, to the reality, is like, you know, I can die here. Then God became different when he heard it. And there sometimes, you know, we have to come to the end of ourselves to understand how much we need God. And Kevin, right there, put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as Savior. Folks, this is not about religion. There's many religions in our world. This is about knowing the God that created you. So, the law for God's word. 
letter A, the thought of it. The thought of it. Look what it says in verse 10. I already read these verses, but it's good to look at it again. The word, thy word is true from the beginning. So the psalmist right here, there's a question, there's a doubt, doesn't, you know, like, you know, if this is right or not, doesn't try to investigate. He literally in his heart, he said, God, your word is true. Listen, I look at my Bible, I read it, I said, I look at it, said, God, your word is true. And he said, as I read it, I stand in awe. Can you imagine? Just go to the first book of the Bible and read about creation. Amen. You have to stand in awe. Oh, how did this stuff come to be? How oh, God spoken? Boo! I mean, you know, if you watch fiction movies, you know, all the things that they make is like, oh, good night. You know what? God just, boom, and it came to be. Can you stand in awe? You look at the universe, he's like, listen, folks, the universe is beautiful. It's the handmade of God. Look at the oceans. Do you have a scuba dive? Do you have a scuba dive here? I'm the only one. <laughs> you ever see the beauty of the ocean? You saw those plants in the bottom of the ocean swinging back and forth. That's God's creation. He said, I stand in awe of what I'm seeing. So God's self-existent, God's creation, God's incarnation, God's salvation, Jesus coming back again. Let me tell you, God's word that for centuries have changed the heart of man. This man said, I stand in awe of all this. Let it be. The joy. Look what it says in verse 162. I rejoice at thy word. Listen, don't come to church like God have died. No, you know, you come to church like God is in the morgue or something. No, listen, God is alive forevermore. Amen. And we come to God's house to what? To praise Him. Amen. You know, I like, but you don't understand. I got so many problems. So do I. <laughs> Put it aside for a few minutes and let's praise the Lord. And then, and then go back and, you know, probably you would get the, the problems a lot better after that. But let me tell you, problems come and go, doesn't it? Listen, there's one problem after another. If you think about life, it's one problem, then you overcome it. That is another problem, then you overcome it. But if you just live to solve problems, you miss the point of life. The joy, he said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth a great spoil. Don't you understand what's, what it means here? Oh, if you ever watch movies, you know, uh, or, or you, let's say you're you in your house, right, and you walk around, and suddenly you find this for the ladies, a bundle of clothes and shoes, and, and, and you go, where in the world this stuff came from? And you go like, and you just go through, and you go, oh, nice shirt, nice sweater. Oh, that's great spoil, and your heart rejoices. Oh, I got to wear this. I have to wear that. I'm going to wear this. For the guys, it's like, as you walk in your, in your shed, it's like, it's full of to uh, tools. Oh, you know, toys. I call them toys. Full of tools, and then you go, where in the world this machine came from? What are you looking Oh, wow, I got a new track. And you go, wow. You find that spoil in your heart rejoice. He says right here, look what he says. He says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I saw a video of an underground church in China months ago, or maybe years ago, or a couple years ago, where people were given Bibles. Now, this church was like four walls, and it was a little door. It was no, they were on the ground, and it was full of people. And these this two men come with a box, big box, and they come through this door, and they, and they got a crowbar, and they open it up, and it was Bible. They began to give it to people. 
And you could see the crying, the hugging, the kissing. And people on their knees with their Bibles are praising God. They found their great spoil, the Word of God. But for us, it's like, well, I've got Bibles everywhere. You know, for some people, they don't even have one. But let me tell you. This guy said right here, or the, the, the psalmist says right here, I rejoice as one who find this great spoil. Let us see the love. Look what it says in verse 163. But thy law do I love. Oh, folks, we live in a country today that people don't like the law. <laughs> we live in a day and age on which many people hate law and authority. Actually, not long ago in our country, oh, our country was burning with people protesting against the law and against those who uphold the law. Listen, when you have people upholding the law, it's always going to be the bad one and the good ones. Don't blame the whole law because we have some bad ones. Even today, we still see disrespect that people have for those who uphold the law. You know, I never call a cop a cop. I call him an officer, police officer. I mean, they say, what's wrong with that? That's me. I, I respect who the person is. And you know what? If he stopped, oh, but you stopped me and gave me a ticket. It's because you were speeding. You don't want to broke the law. He did not. He said, but I was going only five miles off the speed limit. Still speeding. Right? Law is law, right? If you go by the ladder of the law, you know, one mile over the speed limit, still speeding. <laughs> so, uh, so living in a day and age in which people pick and choose verses out of the Bible to accommodate their agendas, the psalmist tells us that he loves the law of God. It means he grabs the word of God and says, Listen, Lord, I'm not going to pick and choose. I love your law, the whole book. Now, think about it. Let me give you a little food for thought this morning. So how many books How many books we have in the Bible? Very good. The Old Testament? 39. The New Testament? 27. That's an encyclopedia. You see, when you hold the Bible in not just one book, it's 66 books. It's an encyclopedia of God's law. Tell you what, he says, I love thy law. Let me tell you this. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Do you love God? Amen. Now, do you love God's word? Amen. What about God's law? Look what Jesus said. If ye love me, keep my commandments. John 14, 13. What happens when we love God's word? Look what it says. What happened when I love God's word? I read it. I don't use my Bible as a decoration piece in the house. So I read it. I study. I meditate it. I listen when we're being preached and teached. Because I just love God's law. This morning we had an 18-year-old teaching Sunday school to this pastor. Great lesson. Amen. About... Coping with loss when somebody, some loved one dies. That's right. Well, I thought it was very good. But let me tell you, what happens when we love God's word? We grab it, we apply it to our life. Listen, the word of God is a powerful word. Let me tell you this, more than any other encyclopedia that you have there, or many other book, it is a living word. So if you want your life to be transformed, God's word can transform your life. 
You know, I've seen many Christians or many people who have come from the pits of sin, God saved and God transformed their lives. I've seen drunkards. I've seen drug, drug addicts. I've seen, I'm, I can give you all kinds of names of people who God transformed by His grace. What happened? Because they read God's Word. But they continue to read God's Word. Number two, the love of praise. Look what it says in verse, you've got to look at verse 164. Look what it says, Psalm 119, verse 16. Look what it says. How many times? Seven times a day do I praise thee. He said, Pastor, we're going to open the church seven times a day. And we're going to praise you seven times a day. That's not what it's saying here. Right? He's saying here seven times a day I praise thee. I mean, you know what? Throughout the day you praise the Lord. So you got success in your job. Whatever you do, praise God. You got a cup of coffee out of Dunkin' Donuts first thing in the morning. Oh, I said Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, I don't have good fortune with Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> praise Him. Thank you, Lord, for this cup of coffee. You know? Praise the Lord. I'm, I have to have a car. I have a car to go to work. You know, praise Him throughout the day. Give Him glory. You say, really? Yeah. Let me ask you a simple question. Why do you come to church? Worship the Lord to praise Him. Hey, listen, you know, nobody is perfect. You know, we're not perfect. You look at today. I was driving the pier. It's crazy over here. Keep messing up. Let me tell you, we're still praising the Lord. You know? Look what the psalmist said. This is king, a king. You know, kings are very, you know, rich usually and very busy. But this man said it this way. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 122 verse 1. It is true that when we come to this place, we, we love to see each other. We love to spend time with each other in a fellowship. It is true that we feel comfortable coming here because we know each other. But the ultimate reason we here is to praise Him. And the reason we know each other is because of Him. Isn't that true? Otherwise, we probably would never met none of you. So let's praise Him seven times a day. Get this. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's, not about, it's all about God. Anything less than that, eh, we all wrong. Now, I love to praise. Love, love and praise is something that should be always expressed by a Christian. Of all people, of all people in this world, we have the reason to always enthusiastically or be enthusiastic on praising God. Don't sing like God is dead. Don't do that. Refuse to do that. He said, you know, but I, my heart is hurting. I understand. But sing with joy and gratitude. Because God is good. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows your problems. He knows everything about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. How many hears you have in your head? You tell me. The Bible says he knows all of them. I guess he knows us better than we know ourselves. Good night. <laughs> Learn now, let it, the amount of praise seven times a day. Get this. The psalmist says seven times in a day. What that means is that he is not at church that day, but he's praising God where he is. Now, honestly, do you praise God throughout your day? Don't answer that question. <laughs> do you praise God throughout your day? Get this, praises always come from a heart of devotion and thankfulness and gratitude. When your, our heart is full of gratitude and thankfulness, praises come out of our lips immediately. Well, many of you know this. My oncologist is not a believer. Once a year I go see, 
I mean, you folks know, many of you know I had cancer. But I go there, and I have to go through blood work and do all those things. And I was there about last month. I think like, yeah, last month, December. And uh, she, she came in, she talked to me, and she said, everything looks good. You know the first words that come out of my mouth in front of her? They just came automatically. Praise the Lord. You know how? Because I don't know. I'm still here. When many have departed already. But praise the Lord, I'm still here. It's not like I want to, don't want to go to heaven. I'm looking forward to it. But Lord, I want to live a little longer. <laughs> the Christian is the one that should praise the Lord. I mean, it's the very fact that we are saved. Amen. We are the children of the living God. should give us a reason to go and praise Him. Yes. Let me put it this way. There's a Christian movie out there. It's called, I'm not going to promote movies, but this one is good. If you never watch it, you need to watch this. It's Facing the Giants. You have to watch that movie. You've got to watch that, Facing the Giants. Good movies about a school and, 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 and uh, school uh, sports department there, football side of the thing. But there's one thing that came out, out of that that really touched my heart. One of the coaches stood up to the whole team in a meeting and said, guys, this is what we're going to do from now on. If we lose, no, if we win, we're going to praise him. But if we lose, we're going to praise him. You know what the whole team said? Yes, coach. Amen. You got to watch that movie. Great movie. So I'm not going to hear, like I said, explain the movie, but wow, what a great movie. So let it be. The reason for the praise. Seven times a day I praise thee. Look what it says. Because of thy righteousness judgment. I'm not going to praise you because, just because I'm going to praise you because of who you are, Lord. Who is God? He's the creator of all. Who is God? He's my Savior. Who is God? He's the one who sustains everything that exists. You know, he is, I look at it, I'm standing in awe. And he said, you know, because of thy righteous judgment. Is God good? Yes. Is God right always? Yes. There are people that question God like they know more than God. Our world is full of those kind of people. So the reason for the praise, the reason the psalmist praised the Lord is the same reason that we have uh, to praise the Lord as well. We praise Him because He is holy. He is righteous. Because He is true. He is trustworthy. He is worthy of our praise. You know we have that song. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. That should come out of the mouth of Christians. The psalmist praises the Lord because of His righteous judgment. I tell you what, when we understand who God is, we, when, when we trust His Word, and we will agree that God knows best and knows better than we do, and He's God and we are not, I tell you what, we will believe in His righteous judgment and we'll say, God is right and God is true. God's righteousness, He is a great God. That's what our, our last point, the love to obey. Now, if everything we do for the Lord is not done in love, we are just wasting our time. Because the Lord is not impressed with duty without love. The Lord loves obedience, yes. Even more, the Lord loves obedience with love. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Look, I wanted you to see something there. 
Matthew 22, and Jesus reinforces this as an Old Testament verse, but he, he reinforces that in the New Testament. Jesus, Matthew 22, 37, if you this says, Jesus said unto them, who's them? His disciples, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Well, look what it says, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, with all thy might. You see, that's true love right here. The more we love the Lord, the easier it is to obey His word and His commandments. Don't you know that? The more we love God, the easier it is to obey Him. Is it really, Pastor? Yes. The more you love Him, the more it is easy to obey Him. The Bible has a great deal to do about love. In fact, the Bible says that love, uh, love is of God and, and God is love. In other words, love is a fundamental characteristic of who God is. God is a loving God. You follow that? God loves you even though if you don't love Him. Actually, all the people in this world are loved by God. They can see, and many of them don't even care about Him. Even them mock Him, curse Him, and, and just put Him on the side. And I mean, God says, I still love you. Wow. That's who God is. God is a God of love. He loves everyone. He loves His creation, he, but He loves His children. Everything God does is impelled and influenced by His love. The Bible gives us many examples of love. For example, the caring provision of Boaz for Ruth. The deep friendship of David and Jonathan. The poetic passion of, of Solomon. The enduring commitment of Hosea to Gomez. The father love of Paul for Timothy. John's, uh, John's love for the church. The sacrificial save, uh, saving love of Jesus. Love, love is a characteristic of God. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 13, if you don't know what love is, look what the Bible says about love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy, doesn't boast, does not others. Love is, is not proud or self-seeking. Love is not easy to, to anger. I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm not quoting the, the verses as this. Uh, does, does not keep a record of wrongs. It, is not, it doesn't delight in evil, uh, uh, but love rejoices in the truth. Love is always, always protects, trusts, hopes, and, and, and preserves. That's our God. Our God is a God of love. And the psalmist knows, said, Lord, I love thy law because I know who you are. I, felt, I put it this way. Our human understanding of love is flawed, weak, and incomplete. But the more we look to Jesus, the better we understand the love of God. Amen. If you look at Calvary's cross, you know what displays over that whole cross? When you look at Jesus with his arms open, he says, I love you this much. There's the love of God shed in that whole cross. That A, we see the hope of a salvation. Look at verse 166 of our text. We're almost done. It says, Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation. So the promise of a Messiah that will come to save the people from their sin was a reality to the Jewish people. They looked forward for, to, for many centuries for this coming Messiah. And right there the psalmist says, you know, Lord, I'm looking for that hope of our salvation. Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus came. And I hope that hope came. Jesus came and went to the cross. We have salvation. It's available to us. Why people don't accept it is beyond me. So this love was not a make-believe story. His, his hope was not a fable. His love was not a lie. 
Jesus came. Here's another thing, folks. You ready for this? He came. He's coming again. He's coming again. You know why? Because he loves you. Isn't that great? Let it be, we see the, the keeping of the heart. Look what it says. My soul had kept thy testimonies. One of the greatest treasures in life is storing God's word upon our hearts. Because if our lives are going to change, in our, in, if our words are going to change, if our actions are going to change, if our attitude is going to change, it starts with meditation and the study of God's word. Let me put it this way. All right, so you get, you, before you got saved, what's in your mind? Worldly things. When you got saved, the Spirit of God comes in you. As you begin to study God's Word, guess what happened? You put good things inside and the bad things go out. You follow that? It's simple to understand. So the more you store here from God's Word, the more you take the other things out. If we never do, you know, we get saved. If we never get ourselves in the Word of God, what happens is we keep those things there. Unkindness, rudeness, meanness, anger, all these things still there. God says, I give you love, I give you this, I give you that. You take the old things out. And the psalmist says, my soul had kept thy testimonies. There's no doubt that this man is a lover of God's word. No doubt. There's no doubt that this man takes God's word seriously. Love in order to be called love is required action. If we are lovers of God... Of God's word, we will show it in the way we make application of his word in our lives. Whether it is, I'm, I'll be honest with you, yes, it is always good to hear someone say, I love you. They're, they're, those are warm words, isn't it? Somebody comes to you and say, I love you. It's nice to hear that, but that got to be backed up by actions. So you say, I love you, my friend, but uh, here's a cup of coffee. Oh, that really warms your heart and your stomach. <laughs> Isn't it true? Like this morning, my wife says to me, uh, we do that every morning, but this morning, for some reason, I forgot. And, and I get out of bed, I went to the bathroom, and I'm thinking, my, she comes, she's like, hey, you forgot your breakfast. I went downstairs, and there's a nice couple of pieces of toast with, with cheese and nice, beautiful eggs and some things in there, nice cup of tea. And I was like, wow, that's love in action. That's right. Isn't it? Because you could say, go make your own. <laughs> you know? You want breakfast, though? Right there, go make your own. <laughs> you see, that's what God shows to us. The psalmist knows that God loves him. That the word of God, he looks at the word of God and says, Lord, I apply all this because I love you in return. In conclusion, folks, I want you to understand that we should never take church for granted. We should never take God and his word for granted. We should... We should treasure his word and value his words. You folks know all about this. You know what happened to that football player this week, right? Or last week? Before you know it, you have people praying all over the place. Obviously, we understand there is a God that does what we cannot do. It's a great miracle. The man still lives. But I like when, when I was watching, the program that I was watching, one guy was a lady and two guys, and one guy said this way, guys, if we come to the, to the great reality of all this, football is just entertainment. There is a life at stake. Football doesn't matter anymore. 
Because they were saying, well, we're gonna, the game is going to start. We're going to have the game. He said, it doesn't matter anymore. There's a life at stake. And that's the great reality, is that it was a person who was fighting for his life. Is he saved? I don't know. But I tell you what, it's a great miracle that he still lives. Folks, the moment of salvation, we become new creatures, children of God. From the moment on, we need to grow in His Word. Let me tell you, if a man loves God, His Word, His church, the commitment to live for God is in that person's life. I hope that is you this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You, Lord, for this passage of Scripture we had this morning. Thank You for Your Word. Even today still changes the heart of man. You have changed this man's heart and changes many, many men's heart and many ladies' hearts and children's hearts. And I pray this morning, if there's someone here that never really have that transformation, may today they open their hearts to you and call upon you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.